Section 18 of Jataka Tales by H. T. Francis and E. J. Thomas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Goblin City. Once upon a time, there was in the island of Ceylon a goblin town called Sirisavatu, peopled by she goblins. When a ship is wrecked, these adorn and deck themselves, and taking rice and gruel, with trains of slaves and their children on their hip, they come up to the merchants. In order to make them imagine that theirs is a city of human beings, they make them see here and there men ploughing and tending kine, herds of cattle-dogs, and the like. Then approaching the merchants, they invite them to partake of the gruel, rice, and other food which they bring. The merchants, all unaware, eat what is offered. When they have eaten and drunken and are taking their rest, the goblins address them thus, where do you live where do you come from whither are you going and what errand brought you here we were shipwrecked here they reply very good noble sirs the others make answer tis three years ago since our own husbands went on board ship they must have perished you are merchants too we will be your wives Thus they led them astray by their women's wiles and tricks and dalliance until they get them into the goblin city. Then, if they have any others already caught, they bind these with magic chains and cast them into the house of torment. And if they find no shipwrecked men in the place where they dwell, they scour the coast as far as the river Kalyani on one side and the island of Nagadipa on the other. This is their way. Now it happened once that five hundred shipwrecked traders were cast ashore near the city of these she-goblins. The goblins came up to them and enticed them till they brought them to their city. Those whom they had caught before, they bound with magic chains and cast them into the house of torment. Then the chief goblin took the chief man, and the others took the rest, till five hundred had five hundred traders, and they made the men their husbands. Then in the night-time, when her man was asleep, the chief she-goblin rose up and made her way to the house of death, slew some of the men and ate them. The others did the same. When the eldest goblin returned from eating men's flesh, her body was cold. The eldest merchant embraced her and perceived that she was a goblin. "'All the five hundred of them must be goblins,' he thought to himself. "'We must make our escape.' So, in the early morning, when he went to wash his face, he bespake the other merchants in these words. These are goblins and not human beings. As soon as other shipwrecked men can be found, they will make them their husbands and will eat us. Come, let us escape. Two hundred and fifty of them replied, We cannot leave them. Go ye if ye will, but we will not flee away. Then the chief trader, with two hundred and fifty who were ready to obey him, fled away in fear of the goblins. Now at that time the Bodhisatta had come into the world as a flying horse, white all over, and beaked like a crow, with hair like munja grass, possessed of supernatural power, able to fly through the air. From Himalaya he flew through the air until he came to Ceylon. There he passed over the ponds and tanks of Ceylon, and ate the paddy that grew wild there. As he passed on thus, 
he thrice uttered human speech filled with mercy, saying, Who wants to go home? Who wants to go home? The traders heard this saying and cried, We are going home, master, joining their hands and raising them respectfully to their foreheads. Then climb upon my back, said the bodhisatta. Thereat some of them climbed up, some laid hold of his tail, and some remained standing, with a respectful salute. Then the bodhisatta took up even those who stood still saluting him, and conveyed all of them, even two hundred and fifty, to their own country, and set down each in his own place. Then he went back to his place of dwelling. And the she-goblins, when other men came to that place, slew those two hundred and fifty who were left, and devoured them. THE TELL-TALE PARROT Once upon a time, when Brahmadatta was king of Benares, the Bodhisatta came into the world as a young parrot. His name was Radha, and his younger brother was named Potapada. While they were yet quite young, both of them were caught by a fowler and handed over to a Brahmin in Benares. The Brahmin cared for them as if they were his children, but the Brahmin's wife was a wicked woman. There was no watching her. The husband had to go away on business and addressed his young parrots thus. "'Little dears, I am going away on business. Keep watch on your mother in season and out of season. Observe her whether or not any man visits her.' So off he went, leaving his wife in charge of the young parrots. As soon as he was gone, the woman began to do wrong. Night and day the visitors came and went. There was no end to them. Potapada, observing this, said to Radha, "'Our master gave this woman into our charge, and here she is doing wickedness. I will speak to her.' "'Don't,' said Radha. But the other would not listen. "'Mother,' said she, "'why do you commit sin?' How she longed to kill him! But making as though she would fondle him, she called him to her. "'Little one, you are my son. I will never do it again. Here then, the dear.' So he came out. Then she seized him, crying, "'What? You preach to me? You don't know your measure.' And she wrung his neck and threw him into the oven. The Brahmin returned. When he had rested, he asked the Bodhisatta, "'Well, my dear, what about your mother? Does she do wrong or no?' And as he asked the question, he repeated the first couplet, I come, my son, the journey done, and now I am at home again. Come tell me, is your mother true? Does she make love to other men? Radha answered, Father dear, the wise speak not of things which do not conduce to blessing, whether they have happened or not. And he explained this by repeating the second couplet, for what he said he now lies dead, burnt up beneath the ashes there. It is not well the truth to tell, lest Potapata's fate I share. Thus did the Bodhisatta hold forth to the Brahmin, and he went on, This is no place for me to live in either. Then, bidding the Brahmin farewell, he flew away to the woods. THE CHOICE OF A HUSBAND once upon a time, when Brahmadatta ruled in Benares, the Bodhisatta was born as a Brahmin's son. He came of age and received his education at Takasila, then on returning he became a famous teacher. Now there was a Brahmin who had four daughters. These four were wooed by four persons as told above. 
the brahmin could not decide to whom to give them i will inquire of the teacher thought he and then he shall have them to whom they should be given so he came into the teacher's presence and repeated the first couplet one is good and one is noble one has beauty one has years answer me this question brahmin of the four which best appears hearing this the teacher replied even though there be beauty and the like qualities a man is to be despised if he fail in virtue therefore the former is not the measure of a man those that i like are the virtuous and in explanation of this matter he repeated the second couplet good is beauty to the aged show respect for this is right good is noble birth but virtue virtue that is my delight when the brahmin heard this he gave all his daughters to the virtuous wooer the foolhardy crow once upon a time while brahmadatta reigned as king in benares the bodhisattva became a marsh crow and dwelt by a certain pool his name was viraka the strong there arose a famine in Kasi. Men could not spare for food for the crows, nor make offering to goblins and nagas. One by one the crows left the famine-stricken land and betook them to the woods. A certain crow named Savitaka, who lived at Benares, took with him his lady crow and went to the place where Virika lived, making his abode beside the same pool. One day this crow was seeking food about the pool. He saw how Virika went down into it and made a meal of some fish, and afterwards came up out of the water again and stood drying his feathers. Under the wing of that crow, thought he, plenty of fish are to be got. I will become his servant. So he drew near. What is it, sir? asked Virika. I want to be your servant, my lord, was the reply. Virika agreed, and from that time the other served him and from that time Virika used to eat enough fish to keep him alive, and the rest he gave to Savitaka as soon as he had caught them, and when Savitaka had eaten enough to keep him alive, he gave what was over to his wife. After a while pride came into his heart. "'This crow,' said he, "'is black, and so am I, in eyes and beak and feet, too. There is no difference between us. I don't want his fish. I will catch my own.' So he told Virika that for the future he intended to go down to the water and catch fish himself. Then Virika said, "'Good friend, you do not belong to a tribe of such crows as are born to go into the water and catch fish. Don't destroy yourself.' But in spite of this attempt to dissuade him, Savitaka did not take the warning to heart. Down he went to the pool, down into the water, but he could not make his way through the weeds and come out again. There he was, entangled in the weeds, with only the tip of his beak appearing above the water. So, not being able to breathe, he perished there beneath the water. His mate noticed that he did not return, and went to Virika to ask news of him. "'My lord,' she asked, "'Savitaka is not to be seen. Where is he?' And as she asked him this, she repeated the first stanza. Oh, have you seen Savitaka, O oh Virika? Have you seen my sweet-voiced mate, whose neck is like the peacock in its sheen? When Virika heard it, he replied, Yes, I know where he's gone, and recited the second stanza. 
He was not born to dive beneath the wave, but what he could not do he needs must try. So the poor bird has found a watery grave, entangled in the weeds, and left to die. When the lady crow heard it, weeping, she returned to Benares. End of section 18